Welcome to the first episode of the Sticky Floors podcast. I am one of your hosts, CJ. I'm joined by my main man, Will. And we are going to be talking about Creed 2. Now, if you listened to our uh, preview show, you know that on the Sticky Floors podcast, we're going to talk about all kinds of movies, maybe some that just came out and some that are from the past and some that are from way in the past. And so uh, for our first show, we want to talk about Creed 2, and hopefully you will enjoy this discussion on it. Um, it's a lot of different things that we want to talk about with this, this particular movie, and I can't wait for us to get into it. So, um, Will, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, like, for me, when we talked about an idea for a movie podcast, this was the first movie that I wanted to do. Okay. And and the reason the reason why is because... There's something about this movie that just touches me like in a real um, just kind of personal way, because I remember being like a, a kid and watching Rocky four. Right. Mm-hmm. And you watch Rocky four and, um, you know, I was familiar with like Rocky and Apollo and everything. And, and I and, you know, like you kind of know that something's going to go wrong because Apollo was fighting Drago, but you don't know how bad it's going to get. <laughs> and uh I remember I watched it, and when Apollo got killed, I was like, oh, my God, they killed Apollo Creed. This this black man has gotten killed by this Russian guy in this Rocky movie. This is what is happening, right? And that was, like, shocking to me, right? And and if I'd never – I think Rocky Four was, like, the most I ever rooted for Rocky to win a fight, right? Because it was mm-hmm. like, you got to get that dude. That dude killed your friend, man. Like, you got to – you can't let that slide, right? And uh, that just really stuck with me, right? And so when the first Creed movie came out, which I'm going to say off the top, and I know you may or may disagree, but I think the first Creed is a superior movie. I think it's better movie than Creed mm. 2. And I would even go so far as to say I think that Creed 2 is better than Creed 3, but that's a whole nother discussion. However, I will say that Creed 2 of the series, for me, resonates the most emotionally because I feel like this movie is the direct... Uh, almost like the direct sequel to Rocky Four, and really brings closure to the story of Apollo Creed. So, what, what about you, man? When you first saw Rocky Four, like, do you remember that? Like, what that was like to see Apollo get killed like that in a in an exhibition match, no less, to Ivan Drago? Oh man, you whew, you bring back memories. And the reason why I can say that is because I remember watching it on HBO when HBO yes. was on in our area, Channel 14. Yes. So yes. for me. Home uh, box office. Yes. So <laughs> for me, seeing that was like, that was like a family event because that would come right. on at around eight o'clock. And no that would doubt. be the ideal time where the family would get together and we'd sit in front of the, the big TV in the living room and right. watch whatever was going to come on. That was the so-called main event right. for that evening. So- so wait, when you when you watched on the big TV, when the big TV broke, was the big TV on the floor? No, that's my was grandmother's it a floor model. Oh no, and then that's when my the grandmother. floor model breaks down, you just put a little TV on top of the big TV. You, no, that's you don't a, remember those days. No, that's at my grandmother's house. That's uh, the grandmother's house. Yeah, okay. unfortunately, at my fortunately for my parents, like we never had that experience. Like our big TV, it worked. The big TV <laughs> yeah. stayed working. Yeah. It stayed working. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, was... It's it's super black if you have the big TV <laughs> and then the big TV dies and you put a little TV on top of the big TV, yeah. but still keep the big TV there like it's furniture. Yeah, That's like the ultimate in black life. Right oh, there. no question. No question. So go ahead. So y'all are watching it. <laughs> yeah. So we're watching it. And you got to remember, this is during a period of Ronald Reagan is president. No one likes the Russians or mm-hmm. at that time, USSR. Um, yep. Uh, you know, you got uh, this this larger than life persona in in apollo creed dancing with a uh I, I can't say it any better than uh a, a uncle sam type of hat top Yo, hat he's wearing red white that? and blue all over the place dancing yeah with james brown doing <laughs> james brown living in america, america which which was the jam though <laughs> living in america was the jam though that's that's like uh that's like a great movie song you if i, I mean? no matter where you are if somebody plays living in america you instantly think of apollo creed <laughs> no where question. it's star spangled box just star spangled boxing shorts <laughs> no question so now i'm seeing this guy and he's parading up there to the to the boxing arena and 
I'm thinking, all right, you know, it's just an exhibition because they made it clear that this wasn't for the belt or anything like that. This right. was just a, a friendly bout between two opposing uh, powers at the time embodied right. in uh, Apollo Creed and Ivan Drago. And yep. I remember seeing Ivan for the first time and I'm like, man, Dolph Lundgren is a big dude. I mean, yeah, was. still I, is. In, yeah. And in comparison to Apollo Creed, who, you know, he, he just looked like he was a Goliath. And then, mm -hmm. you know, in his corner, there's also Bridget Nielsen, who, if I'm not mistaken, dated uh, 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 Sylvester Stallone at the time. Uh, so it I was think like, she might have been with him. Yeah, yes. she definitely was with him because that was in like, uh, what was that, Cobra or something? Yeah, I think. so like, they yeah, might have been so, in that joint together. Yeah. So it kind of like threw me off, like, hey, what's going on here? I thought that was, but you got to remember at the time, I'm still a kid. I'm not an adult able to process that. Oh, all that right they're, they're actors and right what's and, what's real and what's, what's yeah, television. Yeah. right so i've seen this for the first time and i'm just so caught up in all of the uh the regalness of it all i mean here you got mm -hmm. james brown who is like the ultimate he's michael before michael prince before prince the godfather right. of funk and soul and right. you know he's coming right. down and he's doing his dance and shouting out all the different states and you're like hey right <laughs> right that song was on the radio yeah, they played man. that on the radio wbls yes, they would sir. play living in america that was the jam so it just touched so many things of as far as like nostalgia like the music mm -hmm. the sound the lighting mm -hmm. the color it was just so vivid um and at that time i didn't think anything of it i just thought like okay you know they'll do their thing and you know go about their way once i saw that apollo got rocked I'm sitting here like, wait, wait, wait. This is not supposed to be happening. You can't kill off one of the main characters. He's been in right. three other movies. He's right, exactly. Pushed he Rocky. brought Rocky back. He yeah. brought Rocky back. Right. <laughs> like, what's going on here, man? You can't right. do that. And then right. to actually see Rocky holding his head in his lap, looking up at Ivan like, what have you done? And to see yeah. his trainer, Duke, in the corner crying. And I, yep. I was mystified i couldn't believe it i was totally under dismay like yeah for me the movie was over that Literally. was a that was like a major movie death that sticks with you that's like ricky getting killed in boys oh, yeah. in the hood definitely like definitely. you always remember when you saw that scene yeah right? that's how it is when apollo creed got killed so then so like of course you know because you know rocky avenges it by beating drago in russia mm -hmm. and you know we we can get we maybe one day we'll get into Rocky Four and all the dynamics around that. But then fast forward twenty plus years, right? You have Rocky Two, right? I mean, I'm sorry, not Rocky Two, Creed Two. Oh, Creed Two. Right? You get Creed Two, and that brings us to like this resolution of this story. And you know, like we kind of talked about the idea of like Creed Two, like being the, this movie about the birth of the modern day action hero, and that's. That's part of what I think is achieved for Michael B. Jordan in this movie. Like, I think Creed 2, when you look at this run that he has with Black Panther and Creed 2, and I think Black Panther is like right around the same time, oh, same year as Creed 2. Yep. So he's got Creed 1, you know, he's established now as like, you know, kind of like an action hero. Because, you know, to be an action hero, you got to, number one, you got to be able to take your shirt off and have muscles, right? Mm -hmm you got to be able to have some sort of physical display of your strength in a movie. Mm -hmm. Right. And you have to have, well, at least back in the day, you had to have like a, like a love interest kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. But it wasn't the main part of the story. Right. Mm -hmm. And of course, like, you know, the heroes, they go on the hero's journey, which, you know, we're familiar with and whatnot, but you know, then it's like, everything is about the physicality of the person. And he had that in Creed, and then he does it again in Black Panther, which we're definitely going to have to talk about one day because I got a lot of thoughts about that one. And then he comes back in Creed 2, and he gives it to you again, right? And then he's got, um, what was the thing on uh, Amazon, Without Remorse? Yes. Right? He does Without Remorse, right? The Tom Clancy joints. He's squarely in the modern-day action hero. And mm -hmm. I think even carries that a little bit into Creed 3, because, you know, like he's portraying um, an action hero in a way that you don't normally see. And what I mean by that is if you go back and you look at like Sylvester Stallone or uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is a great, a great one. Jean-Claude Van Damme, Steven Seagal, 
they were all like these these characters. They were they were they were larger than life. You always knew you were looking at them, and they were in a different role. But the role was always the same guy. Something happened. They're getting revenge. At some point, they're gonna get their shirt torn off, and there's a bad guy to fight in a in a in a physical altercation at the end. Right. This is shout out to Chuck Norris. Right. Oh, Chuck Norris. Right. The original. Original. Right. <laughs> right. I guess you gotta put Bruce in there too, because oh, Bruce no always question. got his Bruce always got his shirt torn off, tor- torn off, and then. He tears off the rest of it, and then oh, they fight. Right? No question. You got to do that. But I think what, what they do with Creed, and I think maybe in some ways Rocky, to, if I'm fair, Rocky Three kind of does this a little bit too, is Creed, the character Adonis Creed, always has a little bit of vulnerability to him. And in that way, I think he's like the modern-day action hero, which means he's got all the physicality, all the ability to inflict physical harm, and yet he also has this um, vulnerability and this insecurity, and it comes across in different parts of all the movies, actually. Mm. And in this one, it comes across uh, in some very unique ways. Oh, definitely. I think that uh, just to piggyback on some of the themes that you've covered, uh, you're talking about nostalgia. You're talking about uh, a character versus a caricature. Uh, I think you also bring up the points of uh, stereotypes. Uh, uh, I think I think a good point that you also referenced is the following: tradition. Uh, what do we mean by that? Well, in Rocky Four, you see that where once Apollo stood as Rocky's trainer, now, excuse me, where Apollo stood as Rocky's trainer, now mm-hmm. you have Rocky as Apollo's trainer. Where, hey, uh, excuse, uh, I'm mixing up the characters, but I'm sure everyone gets the point. Mm-hmm. Uh, in addition, you're talking about a man who embodies certain traits, certain characteristics that transcend race, culture, uh, ethnicity, you name it, the whole kit and caboodle. Um, Rocky is literally replicating what Mick did for him. And now he's doing that with Adonis. He's yep, also successfully. Em- yes. And he's also embodying some of the things that Adonis's father, Apollo, did for him. Mm-hmm. You also see Felicia Rashad's character as uh, Adonis's mom and also mm-hmm. Tessa Thompson are also embodying not only strong black women that we see in our lives and also sometimes on the screen, whether it be TV or film or even in uh, plays on Broadway and off Broadway, but just also those same women that now we want to try and embody the spirit in the next generation in our own children, cousins, nieces, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely. Uh, I think also just to try and uh, hammer this home is that some of these themes, um, and I can understand why CJ feels that this touches his spirit in a way that uh, evokes compassion, uh, empathy, uh, interests, uh, is the fact that you have someone who literally embodies the warrior spirit, but still is in touch with, uh, the human side of things where boxing isn't the end all be all for him. Although some might say that it is, I would argue that it's, uh, evident in him proposing and showing that vulnerability, uh, him embracing fatherhood, and trying to be there while point. Uh, trying point. to uh, maintain his career and be supportive as his wife's career, because uh, there's plenty of scenes, although minimum, um, as far as the time is concerned, of her embracing her own uh, identity apart from Adonis. Uh, yeah, no doubt. And I mean, and, and actually, the beginning of the movie, they move out to Los Angeles mm-hmm. because that's going to give... Tessa Thompson's character a better chance to mm-hmm. work on her music and to build her music career. So yeah, and that, and that's what I'm saying is like in this movie, and I think in the Creed movies in general, you see more of a commitment to trying to have that modern day, like you said, sort of action hero that is definitely a warrior, but is also like in touch with this very human side of life, mm-hmm. which you said very perfectly is 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 encapsulated in having a you know getting married and then having a child and kind of the way that that happens and even even the idea of like having um i forget the name of it, but tessa thompson tessa thompson's character have her own career right and 
him like them supporting each other in that which is a different a different dynamic than what you would see like with rocky and adrian from years ago right which also oh. speaks to like that particular side guys so that's there i know you mentioned felicia richard i know you have comments about that um <laughs> let let's let's move into that because I, I do too as well um so you know from from the cultural standpoint yes we talked about um this movie definitely i think reframes the idea of the action hero modernizes it humanizes it um and does some different things with it and, and in some ways i think that really works in some ways maybe not so much but that kind of plays out in different dynamics so let's talk about the cake and the hate the cake being the things that we really liked mm. about the movie or loved about the movie and then the things that we didn't like so much but we like talking about the things we don't like so much either so um there's a couple of scenes that i want to just weigh in <laughs> on just bring in and uh it's actually four well it's actually four things and, okay uh, i'm looking at my notes here and so one of the one of my my one of my most favorite scenes in the movie is the scene where adonis goes to rocky's house after <laughs> the drago family tries to call him out and he wants to fight he wants to fight uh victor drago right and he goes and rocky you know they come outside they have this thing where they're talking outside and rocky is basically trying to tell him like you you don't want to get involved with these dudes you don't want it with them they're dangerous and adonis is right back like i'm dangerous right <laughs> and i love i love the scene and it's like it's it's a scene that you can find on youtube very easy because it's like one of those scenes that just kind of sticks out in the movie right it's definitely a highlight of it but i love that scene because i feel like that's like capturing like how a boxer has to be right mm. as a boxer if you're gonna get into a ring and you're gonna fight another man on television in front of the world you have to believe that you are capable of inflicting a righteous amount of pain right and i think like that that bravado that he showed in that moment whereas yeah you might say it was a little overdone because maybe he doesn't feel that way and i think that does come out as the movie goes on mm -hmm. but in that moment i love that scene and i also love rocky's way of trying to talk him out of it mm. and really saying like um you know that guy you know he broke things in me that ain't never been right and of course that makes you think about rocky five where you know rocky starts off you know with his hand shaking and mm -hmm. you know he couldn't box anymore after fighting drago and not wanting adonis to go through that and adonis being hell bent on it and i just love that interaction and it's like a it's like a great scene to me so that's one of the scenes that I really, I, that's in my, my cake scenes for the scenes that I love. What you got? Well, I just want to touch upon something you said. I don't think it's just about the physicality aspect where Rocky's commenting on his present physical state, but also his mental and his emotional state as well. I think yep. those things are key where he's saying now he's questioning everything, who he is as a person in and outside of the ring, his relationship with his son uh, or lack thereof. Uh, the people who he's lost along the way. Remember, Adrian has cancer. She's passed on. Uh, like I alluded to, Mick, his uh, original trainer, he's no longer gone due to uh, Mr. T's character, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, Clubber Lang, pushing him into the quarter. Not right. funny, but it's just the way that whole scene in my head plays out where it just seems right. so uh, comical. Right. Like he gets cardiac arrest from a push, but nonetheless. Right before uh, the fight in the locker room. Right. Like <laughs> right, this, this, right. Uh, this would right. never go would they, would, they, would they even fight? Like, how do you even fight that fight? But yeah, that's yeah. How do bad. you how do you continue on? And the literally right. the mixed characters telling him, no, no, continue with the fight, knowing how close they are. Rocky's not going to yeah. be distracted. That's yeah. not. Where's the fight. doctor? Where's the doctor in that situation? There was no <laughs> doctor back there. But go ahead, nonetheless, go ahead, we no. digress. Uh, so I would definitely comment on those things. Which now I'm going to segue into the fact that. We're talking about powerful scenes that drive the movie forward. Some may be incidental, which is one of the scenes that I'm going to talk about, and that being with Felicia Rashad's character, Marianne Creed. Marianne embodies so much of my mom, so maybe I'm a little biased, but the mm. fact is, is that she's the one who's willing to challenge him. She is the one who's willing to say, hey, what are you really doing this for? piggybacking off of what Rocky's saying, except she's more deliberate. She says, don't bring up your father. You're not doing this for him. And don't bring me up because you don't need my permission and you're not asking for it. This is more yep. about you. 
And I think that reality check is more about her saying without saying it, this is about your pride, your ego. This is about the fact that you have this hubris that you haven't learned to tame. You feel as if you need to conquer the world in order to prove something, but you're not proving it to anyone. It's more about proving it to yourself. And I think all that comes across in that dining room scene right up into the point where now you segue into what will be uh, one of my other favorite scenes. And is that, oh wait, and you're going to talk about the uh, Adrian scene with uh, Rocky and Drago. <laughs> oh, you all right, so we, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll double team that one then. So it's like, yeah, that, I love that scene. I mean, first I love like Rocky coming in and look at him and he's like, oh, it's you, you know, <laughs> like for the, for the beginning. It's like he's surprised that it's him and Drago is sitting there and, you know, like Drago, like in this movie, Drago is such a villain. Like mm-hmm. Drago does some things in this movie that are like a villain. Like he almost runs his son over with his car in the beginning of the movie. When I tell you to he's run, got, you run faster. Right. He's got this scene here where he's in Rocky's place of business. Right. And he's like threatening him. <laughs> And then, and and it's like the scene, like the interaction between them is good because you're watching it. And if you watched all the other movies, right, you know the animosity between them. Mm. You know why there's that animosity between them, right? So it works. And then you're also like, are they about to fight? Is Mm. this old dude's gonna get it? And if they did, I was there for it. I was ready to watch it. (laughs) And if they, they didn't, and that was cool. But I love how at the end, right. Rocky's like, well, you know, around here we put stray dogs down or something, right? Like that. And it's like, that's when you think it's about to go down. And then Victor walks in and you see Rocky look at him. He's like, oh, they're about to jump me. <laughs> like, 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 he's like, for a second, I said, yo, great acting by Sylvester Stallone. He communicates it like, am I about to get stomped out in my restaurant? Like, what's going to happen to me, right? And I, I love that scene. And then Drago does like the ultimate villain thing walks out, points to the picture of Apollo Creed, and is like, I like that picture. Like that, that's just a cold scene. I love it, and it's a cold scene. But did, I, a, did it, I miss anything about that one? I think the subtleties and the the physical presentation is what does it in those scenes or in that scene. The fact that his son then enters the room and he's thinking, oh, wait, maybe I done said too much. I didn't <laughs> <laughs> Maybe maybe I'm about to get stomped out in my own restaurant own named restaurant. after in, my wife. In Adrian's, right. Like, I'm about to get hospitalized. But in then Adrian's. I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, you know what? Maybe this is when Michael B. Jordan comes in to save the day and is like, no, nah, it's two of you, it's two of us. No cameras, no lights, none of that. We could get it on right now. We could get it. But unfortunately, it didn't play out like that. Or rather, fortunately, it did play out that way. Yeah. Because they would have won. Because the Russians would have won that fight. I don't know, man. I, they they would have. Because Adonis Creed is like five five nine one seventy, and Victor Drago is six three two fifty. Like that's not a fair fight. They wouldn't even let that. They would. That's a whole another thing. They would. That would not be a boxing match. No, in not not. Like, you couldn't world. fight that. You couldn't fight that. They're not even in the same weight class. Like that's not gonna work. But good. I do think though that Michael B. Jordan is a legit six because. Sylvester Stallone is about 5'8", five, 5'9", five, and he is taller than him. So I, I'll give it to him. And the same thing with Apollo. Okay. Apollo's like 5'9", 5'10". But Fair. nonetheless, I think my next scene that uh, kind of like does it for me is the scene where Bianca and um, and Adonis are in the uh, hotel, and she's got her, her mm. uh, hearing aids out, and she's in the bathroom, mm. and she's doing her thing. And he, you can see the nerves that like, man, should I do it? Should I not? It's almost like Mm -hmm. jumping rope, like trying to get your pace to see where you get in. And uh, he gives this beautiful speech about how she's the only one for him. And uh, she basically completes him and et cetera, et cetera. And the, uh, the thing that like cuts it is she's like, Oh yeah. So what were you saying? And she puts back in a hearing aid and it's like, he brings it back home and he saves himself and the scene where he says nothing that you don't already know. Now yeah. I'm a hopeless romantic. Now, if that doesn't touch your heart and like, Oh, okay. You know, here's the union between two people who are committed to something bigger than themselves. I don't know what is. You know, well, I didn't know that you had this type of soul as a soul of a poet, man. This is, <laughs> this is good stuff, man. 
You're so, definitely, you're <laughs> definitely in that zone. Well, I appreciate that, CJ. I I just think that this movie embodies a lot of the things that hit me as an individual, and that I think that I try to uh, exude and exhibit uh, in my own personal life. Um, Got it. And I think that's the reason why this movie touches and checks off a lot of boxes for me is the fact that these characters are close to home. They they do mm. appear to be grounded in some semblance of reality or in our Absolutely. own personal lives. Um, Absolutely. So when he's proposing, I've been there. I've been in that yeah. room. I've been that guy who's proposing to his soon-to-be fiance, and you're like, man, I hope she says yes. It would be really messed up if she tells me no. I don't know how I'm going to come back for this. How am I going to save face? And But right. in the in your head, you know, yeah, she's going to say, yeah, you haven't been together yeah. all these years if that wasn't if it's not gonna work yeah, out it's not gonna work it, out and and have you also ever been in a scene where you had a weigh-in with a dude the size of victor drago in a fight which which brings me to my my third favorite scene i, I guess all my scenes are like ones of like just villainy or, or <laughs> crazy what does that say about you I, cj <laughs> what does it say right good question so nah I, so the weigh-in scene right i love i love this scene because it's like okay so Creed is there. He's going to do the weigh-in with Drago. Both the Dragos are there, right? <laughs> the Dragos. And he's doing the weigh-in with Victor, but he's looking at Ivan the whole time, right? right? And Ivan, in super villain fashion, looks at him and says, you know, you're not as big as your father. <laughs> Something like that. It's cold-blooded. Which, which is like, why would you even say that in that moment, right? But, it, but you know, like, of course, you know, you know, you know, Ivan is playing the long game. Of he's course. playing the psychological warfare game. He's playing it to a T. And it just works. But it's like, that is such a great scene. Because it's like, what is he going to say? Like, obviously, you see Creed. He's looking at this guy saying, this guy killed my father, mm-hmm. right? I'm going to fight <clears throat> his son, but he's standing right in front of me. What do I do? How do I feel about that, right? And you see him going through all those emotions. And then... Drago just, you know, like presses the little button and of course they get into a little scrum there and you know that's what it is. But I love that scene. That's that's one of my favorites. And I think I'm the reason back why, to you for yours. I, well, that's the reason why I think you like it is that we've seen that scene in real life. Maybe not with somebody's father there, but we've seen where all of a sudden these guys get too close, you know, tensions are high, egos yeah. are bruised and then all of a sudden somebody swings and then there's all of a sudden a melee and you hear yep. curse words and chairs and all types of pandemonium going on. Furniture starts moving. Well, of course, no question. Uh, yeah. The only thing between us is space and opportunity, um, mm-hmm. which touches for me, and I, maybe this says more about me, because uh, this is supposed to be a, a movie about fighting, but for me, the backdrop and the real uh, character of the of the movie is actually the, the more dramatic scenes. Um, and we're talking about the fact where Rocky and Adonis kind of patch things up um great scene that's a great scene too in that scene you're talking about history you're talking about the past the present and the future uh and so to elaborate rocky shows adonis all the trophies that he's probably seen countless times and that was the proverbial carrot that was the driving force for him like hey that's my dad's stuff i want to achieve those same olympian heights as my dad and have a trophy case i've been that kid I've seen plenty of trophies from my dad, my uncles, and I was like, man, I got to get me some trophies. And not truly understanding and appreciating what those trophies represent, the work, the dedication, the commitment, the 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 sacrifice, not just you, but also of your family members, because Absolutely. they're supporting you the entire time. Uh, they're, they're committed to your dream, all of the things that they may have had to deal do without, maybe your presence, uh, mm. just being there, or... Maybe uh, you've been short with them. You've been curt and they've had to take that verbal, that mental and emotional abuse. And, you know, they've stuck it out. Not only those trophies are, are significant, but the speech that Rocky gives him at this time, you know, they're, they're kind of feeling each other out. He's already mm-hmm. gotten the dog mess beat out of him. Uh, yep. He's trying to recoup, get his, his, his standing back and try to understand who he is. How can he bounce back from this, this punishment? Even though he didn't mm-hmm. lose the belt, he still feels like he lost. He got beat up. He got, <laughs> he, he got beat up. And, and that's he, putting he it, won, but he got beat up. And that's putting it mildly. Yeah. Um, and then Rocky says to him, 
you know, remember when I asked you, what were you doing this for? And Adonis finally had to admit he wasn't doing it for him. He wasn't in the right state of mind. And Rocky could see that because, again, flashback, Rocky, Clubber Lang, Rocky, Apollo. And so he could understand where he's been and where he's at. And it also mimics some things from Rocky 1 and Creed 1, where they may have lost to those champions, those respective champions at that particular time, but they were able to still flourish and actually build a name off of that because they actually stuck it out. They took these guys to the to the limit. And yeah, they fought they, with honor. And they yeah. actually could have won these fights. They were very close. All right. And yeah. so when Rocky says to him, hey, you know, what were you doing this for? And Adonis finally admits that, like, hey, I was afraid. And it wasn't the fear of failure. It was the fear of not living up to the expectations, to those trophies, to that ghost uh, was still in that room, his father. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think you're, that... You're, I, think, I was gonna say you're hitting on my uh you're hitting on my my conclusion my conclusion statement right now, but go ahead though. <laughs> I think the fact that that scene is a scene within itself because now I'm flashbacking to when I was in the movie theaters or when I was at home and I'm watching these scenes and I'm watching these movies and I'm like, oh, okay, and I'm drawing from here, but my younger self wasn't able to put those pieces together. Perhaps yeah. due to the fact that Creed 2 wasn't out, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah. the fact that Rocky one, two, and three led to Rocky four. So, you know, I could have been able to draw those pieces together. And then in conclusion, I, I definitely want to touch upon this. And it's that they were able to mend fences with the birth of a child, which goes back, which harkens back to Rocky two. In Rocky two, his son was born. His son yep. was born premature. They were afraid, touch and go, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. In Creed two, you know, the baby's born and the fear is, Will the baby have hearing loss yeah, be able like, to hear. Bian- yep. like Bianca? And unfortunately, it does progress like that. And mm-hmm. you see the 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 glory one tear coming from his eyes, just like uh, Denzel's character in Glory, where yep. he's like, I got to keep my composure, but this still hurts. And I yeah. think that scene ties everything for me together. No, that's a good scene too. I, d- I definitely, I definitely like that one. And you know, one of the things that you're saying that I do think is these these movies do a really good job of is being their own movie mm-hmm. while also having a lot of nostalgia elements in it. Definitely that that aren't necessarily banging you over the head nope. with the nostalgia, but if you've seen the movies it's like the payoff mm-hmm. you know it's like um it's like that expression history doesn't repeat itself but it rhymes right right so you see things that are in this movie that are definitely definitely um connected to or reflections of things that happened in the past movies mm-hmm. but it's not so like obvious over yeah. your head like kind of like what you see in in like um i'm thinking of like the force awakens mm. and return of the jedi where yeah. it's like two movies that are almost kind of set up the exact same way yeah, but de- we'll we'll get to that sometime the um the last thing i want to say about this in terms of like what i like before we get into the hate is is uh <laughs> you know I, I love felicia and you you already touched on it so i'm not going to spend a lot of time on it but i i just really love felicia rashad's character in these movies um i think that she she just every scene that she's in she automatically brings credibility to it she mm. automatically brings a sense of regality to it. She brings a sense of class to it mm-hmm. that no one else really has. No. In the cast. And and that's no slight to them. It's just her aura, her presence. I don't know why they decided to switch the woman who would play Apollo's wife from the woman who was in the uh, first movies to Felicia Rashad. That's a probably a whole nother story. But she is nonetheless like a great fit for the story. And she does a perfect job of like being the black mom, mm. right? Like what that means to like check your son <laughs> and to like have that relationship with your son's uh, wife or fiance. And, and even like, I, I just, I just love her presence. And I got to say that there's something connected to that, that I, I hate about the movie. So <laughs> do you have any, do you have anything else that you love about it in the cake before we talk about the hate? I definitely want to just piggyback off of something you said real quick. And that is this. Uh, my mother used to tell me, or rather, she would say this about me to anyone that would listen, but especially to any uh, young lady that I may have been dating at the time. Uh, she would say, 
I love my son, but I don't like him right now. And I could literally picture Felicia Rashad saying that about Adonis. Mm -hmm. Um, And that brings me to this point. I alluded to it in the scene where uh, the female characters are in their own elements respectively. So whether it be uh, that feminine energy in the home, specifically in a kitchen, and I don't think that's by coincidence or happenstance, or if it's done uh, in Bianca's case, uh, contrary to Marianne's, where it's in her element of the theater, in sta- on the stage, in the presence mm-hmm. of a crowd, et cetera, et cetera. But I think the, the, or even in the hospital where she's giving birth. So all of these speak to that feminine energy, that, that thing that uh, all the respective uh, females out there that bring to the table, and those are just parts of the things that they bring. Um, but the thing that really touches me is that in every scene where Bianca's at uh, in the ring, she allows herself to be in the moment. So whether it be cheering on her man and she is in Russia and she says to them, oh, now now who who's, who's knocking out who? And she mm-hmm. stands up and she's pointing to everyone. It seems cheesy, albeit, however... In those cases, for me, it touches something where it's those subtleties where she says, you know, I'm with you. This is our journey together. It's not just about you. You've supported me where you're in the balcony. And then, you know, that cheesy Don King pseudo uh, who's all who's played by uh, the great Roger Hornsby. Uh, Mm -hmm. So you got Buddy Marcel and he's up there. But Adonis still manages, even though he's addressing Buddy. He's still managing to keep his eyes on Bianca. He's still there supporting her. And he's out of sight where it's not like they're drawing attention to him. I say that to say this. They're in the scene. They're in Philly. And this would never happen after a fight or even just whatever the time frame is. But it just seems like it's right after the fight. And they don't go anywhere classy to celebrate or anything. They go to a cheesesteak spot. And the actual characters are able to come up to him and say, hey, you know, they're challenging you and he has no clue as to what's going on. Right. And once he, you know, takes wind of it and he peeps the screen, he's like, oh man, you know, it's nothing. Bianca's right there and she sees through all that, all the smoke and mirrors, the false bravado. And she says to him, yo, don't worry about that. And I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Don't worry about that. We're in tune. We're here now. We'll get to that when it's time to get to that. You'll address that when it's appropriate, when you're right. They got to come to you. You're the champion. So in just that scene, she's bigging him up. She's solidifying her place by his side. And she's also the voice of reason where he's been irrational and he's jumped yeah. at the chance to, you know, he's chomping that's at the thing. bit and that's who he is. And they balance each other out, that equilibrium, that that other side of the same coin. Uh, yeah. I think that's, uh, you know, it goes unnoticed. But to to those that with a keen eye, they can see like how it all fits together. So I gotta I gotta ask you a completely unrelated question. Shoot, right from what you just said there. What's your favorite place to get Philly cheesesteaks? This is an argument gotta, amongst the crew, but uh, I got I got I gotta just ask you. What's, going, your, what's your favorite? I'm going with Geno's. I'm going with Geno's. You're going with Geno's. Yeah. Okay, so I would say. It's either Delessandro's or Jim's for me. Mm. I haven't been to it either in a long time. Delessandro's actually I had a couple months ago, but I haven't been to either in a long time. And when you just said the cheesesteak joint, that made me think of that. So <laughs> this is what we do, man. You talk about movies, you talk about cheesesteaks. You don't know what you're going to get. You know what I mean? Get a little but bit of is, everything. Get a little bit of everything. Right. All right. So um, let's jump into the the, we talked about the cake, the things that we like. Let's talk about the hate, the things that we didn't. I'm not going to have a really long list on this, um, <laughs> but I, I'm going to give you I'm going to give you like two things. Right. Shoot. And then I'm good. So the first is I talked a little bit about Felicia Rashad, how much I really love, love her character in this movie. Um, Marianne playing Marianne Creed. And I thought about how what this movie was missing mm. was a scene with Felicia Rashad's character and Sylvester Stallone's character together on screen talking about their experience being the pseudo parents to Adonis, Mm. right? Because obviously Felicia is playing, Felicia Rashad is playing the mother, right? Marianne is the mom. 
And essentially, Rocky has become like the father, right? So much so that Drago, when he talks about Adonis to Rocky, he calls him your boy, mm. right? Your boy, not only just like your friend or whatever, but almost like that's your son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, he very, and it's very personal because for Drago, Ivan Drago, you know, Victor is his son. So yeah. you see that dynamic. I would have just loved there to be a scene where those two characters are talking about raising Adonis and their feelings about Adonis being in the ring with somebody named Drago mm. and nonetheless being the son of Ivan Drago. And I just think that would have been a great scene to have in the movie. And I hate that it was not a part of it. The other quick thing I'll just say is um, I feel like this movie was missing some sort of resolution for Drago and Creed with each other. And I know like, you know, the movie has an ending. I know, like, you know, if you go and look on YouTube, there's deleted scenes and deleted scenes kind of show you a little bit more around that. But I just felt like there's, there needed to be something said between, like, Ivan Drago and um, Apollo and Adonis Creed. Even if he said, like, I don't know what that would look like. Maybe that's, I'm sorry, or I didn't mean for that to happen or something. <laughs> Something because because like you know like hey I it's no spoiler I didn't mean for that to happen. I didn't mean for that to happen I just wanted to beat him up really bad I didn't know that was right like whatever but the thing is like if you know no spoilers but when you watch you know Creed three all of a sudden Victor and and Adonis have like a at least a cordial relationship now right and it just seems like for that to be the case, there needs to be some sort of resolution mm. on the relationship between his father and, you know, Adonis's father. So I feel like those are two things, those scenes, things that I hate that were not in the movie that should have been and probably would have made me feel a little differently about it overall. But um, what you got that you did wow. not necessarily dig about the movie, if anything, because I know you, you like yeah. this movie a lot. No, I... Uh... I will admit there are some flaws in the movie. Um, I'm not going to uh, be a hype beast and overlook these things. I think first and foremost is just the the time sequencing, the spacing. Um, as I alluded to earlier, you can't tell whether or not they're going to the the bar restaurant uh, place. Uh, were directly after him winning the belt, you 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 don't get a sense of like there's any type of elapse as far as the time yeah, is concerned. Timing, yep. yeah. So I that left me a little bit confused, a little bit frustrated. Like, hey, you know, what's the sequencing here? What's going on? Um, but I'm mean, uh, spoiler alert. What you'll learn about me is I suspend all reality when I go to the movies. I expect the impossible. And I do that because I know that that pushes the narrative along. If it was yep. so grounded in reality, none of this would happen. Like we could have, <laughs> we could have finished this movie in five minutes, and that yeah. would have been the end of it. Uh, yeah. So I, 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 I'm willing to push that aside. But I think the thing that also kind of like, I don't know, frustrates me is the fact that they missed out on a good opportunity, and that opportunity is this. Russia has already been split up as far as the USSR is concerned. Matter of fact, most gen most people of this generation don't even know what USSR is. They think it's some other acronym for something else totally altogether. Mm -hmm. So I think the fact that the parallel of now seeing Adonis go to Russia and having to train over there and uh, getting acclimated to a new environment, being away from his family, et cetera, et cetera, I think that would have harkened back even further to Rocky three and giving, giving, excuse me, Rocky four, giving him Rocky an understanding four, yeah. as far as like what it took to actually get to those heights. And that would have been the piece that would have tied everything together where he could say, you know, I finally put this to bed. I beat you on your soil. Uh, I'm redeeming my family name. Cause that's what this is really about. This is about families and sons and fathers and legacy and carrying on the tradition because this is a boxing family. And they know mm -hmm. what it takes. And what I mean by family, even though Rocky and Adonis aren't blood, as CJ spoke eloquently about, they are they are still family. He yeah, is the family. surrogate father. Essentially, yeah. he's the surrogate father, and he, if you hadn't noticed, he's the godfather to Adonis's daughter. 
So yes. I just think that that missed opportunity could have closed a lot of uh, holes for me. But I do like the comparison and the contrast to where he's training in the desert, Rocky trained yeah. in the cold. He yeah. is in, they're both in a quote unquote hell of their own making, but yep. it's something that um, for them is different levels. As yeah. as my crew always talks about, there's levels to this. And yeah, I, think absolutely. That, I think that was definitely a missed opportunity there. Yeah, I think, um, and you know, it's just interesting because, you know, if you look at the deleted scenes, you know that um, mm -hmm. Rocky knows about that place because yeah. there was a whole scene where there's a boxer that dies mm -hmm. that Rocky knew went out to that place. So he knew that's where it was from. Right. I also think that that, that idea of having Adonis go out to the, like, you, I guess, I don't know what, the desert somewhere, <laughs> that was like, that was like part of like the whole history repeating itself, not repeating itself, but rhyming. So that yeah. was kind of what happened there. But um, okay, so that's that part. Um, a couple of questions I have, unanswered questions. Um, I touched on one of them already. There's no way that Adonis Creed and Victor Drago are in the same weight class. No, that's not going to happen. One of them is like a light heavyweight at best. At best, the other one is a heavyweight. For real, for they're, real. There, I mean, boxing is not going to allow that, and boxing allows a lot of things, but that ain't going to happen. No, that's not getting the other, <laughs> the other thing that's not going to happen is there's no way that fight is happening in Russia. No. There's no way that <sighs> the the heavyweight championship of the world is going to be fought in what? Russia. No way. In twenty whatever year that was, twenty eighteen. And during that when, time period and climate right, though. It's it's not gonna happen. Too many people <laughs> would lose out on money. Come on. They <laughs> they should they could have put that they should have put that in the MGM. That should have been that that would have made more sense. CJ, the what's your saying always about who doesn't want your money? Or what what is it again? Cool. Oh, about yeah, they don't want your money. Yeah, like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a lot of movies that are just written to not want your money, but that we'll get to that at in, in future shows. But the last thing um, about this is, so what's the deal with uh, Apollo's other children, right? Because if you remember, <laughs> he definitely has a son and a daughter, right? Mm -hmm. They are they are conspicuously not in any of these three movies and not even referenced until the last movie, briefly. But I always, from the first movie and in this one too as well, I've always wondered, like, where are the other kids? And maybe, like, I get it. You can't tell every story in mm -hmm. a movie. But it just seemed like there should have been some reference made to them. It's certainly in Creed 1. If not in Creed 2, it doesn't even come up to Creed 3. And that's just a major question for me. So are there any questions that you had about this movie? Wow, man. Uh, I think I had the same questions that you did. But I think the other thing that kind of, like... I don't know, irks me, if you will, is the fact that little Duke uh, is just a willing participant to no longer be Apollo's trainer. Like Rocky just comes oh, in and it's yeah. just like, there's no discussion. Just steps aside. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm not sure that goes down that easily. Like, mm, good point. <laughs> like I, good point. I, I, I don't know. Call me crazy. Good but point. if boxing and, and CJ is always quick to put this out there that you don't play boxing. You don't play MMA. These are fights. <laughs> yeah. These are legitimate things. No one, no one says I play boxing. No. Yeah, so you're true. talking I, about... I play other sports. You're talking about men who actually engage in boxing in some form or another, whether they're training boxers or they were a mm -hmm. boxer. So you're talking about egos. And as CJ, once again, was able to highlight is the fact that, look, you're talking about these guys who have to have a sense of, you can't beat me. I'm dangerous no man can beat me. Forget you. Mm. No man can beat me. And yet, Rocky just comes in, and all of a sudden you're like, "Wait, what just happened?" Here? Yeah, it's a, it's a great, it's a great point. That is a great point. I, I wonder if like, how long that conversation is because like, if they do talk, and Duke is like, Duke Junior is like, "Yo, I, I want to continue to train Adonis." Do you think Rocky just says to him, "Dog, your strategy did not work." Like. <laughs> You almost got this man killed here, <laughs> like on television. Like, whatever you might say about my idea, it worked. <laughs> like, like ignore ignore the fact that I lost all my money after fighting Drago. Ignore the fact that my life fell apart. Ignore my my mental decline after that fight. But I won, right? And maybe that's like the big Joker in the conversation, perhaps. But, but that notwithstanding, it's a great point, and it's funny. It's something that. 
it's like when you say that it makes me think about it and i'm like yeah that i did seem weird like how how quickly and easily he sort of stepped yeah, to the side like, but okay and, and in the end it had to be rocky and well, Adonis standing in the ring of course with ivan and victor and the scene where they're standing in the ring together and it's like rocky and ivan are standing there like kind of remembering back and then yeah, that when- that's that's a great scene you need that for the nostalgia i get it still a great question nonetheless but um, that right, also, I think that also harkens, okay. though, if I may, I think that also harkens back to the fact that, one, Rocky says, it's now your time, and he's outside of the ring. So piggybacking off yeah. of CJ's comments just now, I think the symmetry is excellent, because they're in the ring together, all four of the participants, whether past and present, and the future, all in one. And then, all of a sudden, Rocky's outside of the ring, and he says, you know, basically... Now it's your turn. I'm handing you the keys to the car, to the, you know, you're now on the throne. And uh, if I may, uh, I think the reason not only is uh, Felicia Rashad a great, great Marianne, um, but respectfully, it's the fact that the actress, uh, Sylvia Mills, she had uh, transitioned in 2011. So that's why she wasn't able to revisit the character. But I, but if you have research, appreciate it. No, no question. But if you had, if I had it my way, I, and I think it's just that maybe the producers and the directors and the casting uh, director at that time, they just didn't think to ask Felicia Rashad, like, you know, she's busy, she's Claire Huxtable, et cetera, et cetera. But I still like the transition because it shows that she aged gracefully and she was hmm. able to do so uh, um, in, a, in, a, in a way that it wasn't so blatant like an Aunt Viv, where now mm-hmm. you got these two dramatically opposed women like there's no way how does this happen like you can actually yeah. see uh, a resemblance of felicia Reza- felicia rashad and sylvia meals mm-hmm. yeah no that's a good point i appreciate that so yeah. thank you for thank you for bringing bringing light to yeah. that that point um because that that does make a lot of sense and then that does definitely say they made the right choice because yeah. i think we both agree that oh. Felicia Rashad was excellent. Yes, in in that role, and excellent in all these movies. Yes, but, definitely. All right, so then, um, so so we're we're uh winding down here, and we're getting into like how how we're gonna rate rate the movie because mm. this is a movie podcast, so you gotta gotta put some kind of rating system on it. So, all right, so let me just run it down for for our listening audience. So, we're rating it based on boxes of popcorn, mm. right? Okay, so we're gonna do the box of popcorn. And uh, if it's one box, that's like the box is empty. So the box is trash, right? <laughs> that means that you don't have to, we don't have to watch this. Now, let me be fair and say this. There may be some instances where we talk about a movie that one of us might decide is trash, right? That doesn't mean that it's not worth talking about. Because sometimes that's like, it's like a car crash. Like you drive by and you slow down because there's a part of you that wants to see that, right? You might slow down and watch something that you know is lousy because you want to just be able to talk about why it's lousy. So that's that. All right. So then you got the two boxes, which we would say is like half full, right? So that's like half full. It's like kind of like the popcorn is good, but you know, not that great. And this is like a movie like, all right, if you see it, okay. If not, okay. No harm, no foul. All right. So then you got the three boxes, um, which is like, that's when the popcorn is like, it's good. You get the full bot, full bag of popcorn, but the popcorn is dry. Mm. It's not the proper seasoning. It's it's that. So it's like you're getting the popcorn <laughs> you want. You're getting the movie experience you want, but something's it's something is missing. Something's missing, right? <laughs> then you get to the four boxes. If we give the movie four boxes, that means this is delicious. So this is like popcorn that tastes good. The butter is there. The flavor is there. It's exactly how you want it, right? The only thing that could be better than popcorn that is good is popcorn that's good and good for you so if we give it five Mm. five is like it's delicious and nutritious and it means like this is a must-see movie so at some point we are going to talk about movies where we're going to say or one of us may say this is a must-see movie and you know it's a must-see movie because when you talk to people Mm. if you tell them that you haven't seen it they look at you like you're crazy yeah like like you're a martian yeah like do you watch movies like you didn't (laughs) see that like that kind of thing so <clears throat> with that laid out, I'm going to put my, my rating on uh, Creed 2, and I'm going to say that I'm going to give this one three and a half boxes of popcorn. And you know, like I said, I think it's I think it's a it's a it's a it's a very good movie. Right. 
obviously this is like the movie like i said in the beginning that i wanted to talk about from the very beginning because it definitely has emotional mm. it, it resonates with me emotion a lot of different levels um but i also i can't help but contextually put it in the comparison with creed one which once again i did think was a superior movie and then with creed three which i do think creed two is better than so it's like just kind of putting in that context i got it at three and a half boxes um I know that you're going to disagree with me. So go ahead. Let me hear. <laughs> okay. Uh, CJ knows me pretty well. Um, I like the movie and I like the movie out of all the trilogies. I like this one the most. I'm going with a strong four. On, Ooh, uh, four. Yeah. I'm, I'm delicious. I have to definitely say it's a, mm, it satisfies on so many levels. You want action? Well, it's a boxing movie. Uh, you want to talk about uh, uh, a star cast? Uh, well, you've got upcoming talent in both uh, Michael B. Jordan and Tessa Thompson, uh, especially if you see Tessa Thompson uh, outside of any of the uh, Marvel movies. Uh, mm -hmm. You could definitely see her range. Um, I know she gets a lot of flack for her portrayal of Valkyrie in uh, uh, the, the latest uh, Thor movie. but it, Thor movies, yeah. But if you uh, if you see her anything outside of that, I, I definitely think you would reconsider where you place her as far as uh, her acting abilities. Uh, obviously, Michael B. Jordan, enough said. I mean, we all remember him from The Wire all the way mm -hmm. up to uh, Raising Jordan um, and everything in between that. Uh, and even for those of my animation friends who uh, watch uh, him in uh, Gen Next, uh, watch him and any of the other things that he's uh, starred in. Uh, he always steals the show. Uh, definitely going to say uh, Sylvester Stallone, enough said. And we've already given her plenty of praise. But once again, uh, Felicia Rashad. Um, and then, you know, even with Little Duke, I mean, who doesn't like Wood Harris? I mean, he's in so many movies. Oh, yeah, he's, you know, yeah. he's basically uh, he's he's Black Hood royalty, man, like. You know, you see him in Paid in Full. You've seen him in everything from to Ant-Man. I mean, that's how a commercial and his range can be. Like, you name it, he's in it. Um, he's he's basically so, yeah. he's basically our Sam Jackson. So, so you're selling you're selling it as a four as a four box movie. I got it. Oh, no question. I, I mean, like I get it. you're talking about uh, love scenes. So for all the ladies out there, I mean, I've told CJ this before. This is the perfect date movie. Because you could get away, you can legitimately get away with saying, hey, we're going to go watch an action movie. And all you got to do is say Michael B. Jordan. And your lady is like, oh, oh, Michael B. Jordan. Ah. Then you're talking about the fact that for the fellas, yo, Tessa Thompson is not hurting on the eyes. And for those mm -hmm. of the uh, silver haired, uh, respectable, respectable and, uh, and debonair and suave, Felicia Rashad, she's still a very attractive woman. Um, Absolutely. Uh, so I... Yeah. I on so many levels. And of course there are those women out there who love Sylvester Stallone. So they still remember him from the original Rocky movies and uh, the Rambo movies. So obviously you're talking about someone who also has wide mass appeal. Um, and then you want to get to the story. As I've, as I've spoken about ad nauseum, the fact that this is about tradition, this is about lineage, this is about uh, sons and fathers and, and what it means to be masculine in both the past, the present, and the future. This talks about different types of energy, or as uh, the younger generation says, the vibe. So you have Bianca, who plays a Kalani slash Rihanna type uh, individual. So that touches and sets a tone for all the ladies out there who uh, who admire those those women and who respect them and understand their hustle and their drive and having to put forth that type of energy of balance between house and their own pursuit of a career. Um, I think the fact that this movie speaks to not only that generation of the younger folk and the older folk, but even to ourselves where we can reminisce about where we were at and when we saw this movie and you know, those mm -hmm. leading up to it uh, and how we can draw the parallels. Um, I think the fact that this movie speaks to a core audience that likes trilogies, that likes the, the, the franchises of Rocky and how this can carry the baton to the next phase. Uh, I like how this movie at the same time uh, gives you a little bit like, hey, remember when 
Rocky was out there and he was fighting Clubber Lang or when he fought Drago or when he fought mm-hmm. Apollo. And now you see Michael B. Jordan having his own list of individuals that he's fighting, his who's who, where he yeah. fights uh, in the opening scene, oh, excuse me, where he fights in his scene where he's first on stage, the original fighter that he fought in, um, in uh, what you call it, in Creed 1. Creed where, one, where yeah. he's trying to get his his dad, where you find out later why the sentimental attachment to this Mustang, cool car, mm-hmm. but the fact that it was his father's car, and as he says, it's the it's one of the only two things my dad gave me: these hands yep. and that car. Uh, so I just think on so many levels, and I could go on and on and on. This movie does it for me, where it's a strong four, and if you catch me on the right night, it could be a four and a half, where I'm there in, it is, where I'm in that zone. So I'm definitely all you, props. You definitely, you're definitely selling it. I'm not buying, <laughs> but you're definitely, but you're definitely sell. So I, I just have to ask you, like, just real quick though, if you're rating Creed two as a four star movie, mm-hmm. does that mean Creed one is a five star? No, I, as I said, Creed two is the better of the three movies, in my okay. humble opinion. Okay, all right, I got it. All right, well, there it is. There it is. Uh, we have talked about creed 2 we're almost almost done um i guess so the last thing is uh we just want to end with um some considerations right something something that just a a a theme Mm. or something that's in the these movies that we want to spend a couple minutes just talking about before we close it out um for me i'm going to talk about the idea of imposter syndrome right and so for those who may not know imposter syndrome is situation where someone gets to a position um, or a title or a certain class of um, well a certain a certain class a certain situation where they do not feel certain that they belong there mm-hmm. right and they feel like they are pretending to be the person in that situation and not the person who should be in that situation mm-hmm. and I think like and we've kind of touched on it a little bit in this movie but I think underneath the surface of this movie, there is definitely this sentiment by Adonis's character that he is an imposter in the role of a heavyweight champion, mm-hmm. right? That's sort of the reason why the um, other promoter, the, the guy that you saw him based on Don King, is able to kind of manipulate him into fighting Drago in the first place by talking about all the people that have had the heavyweight championship and only the ones that you remember as a handful. And this this idea of like, are you just going to be the guy, the current guy holding the belt, or are mm. you going to be the guy that everybody remembers holding the belt? And then, of course, you have like this idea of like him questioning whether or not he's the champion that his father was, or the champion that Rocky was. And then, of course, like you said, the the insecurities about like, am I am I a fa- am I like a good father? Can I be a father to this child that that has it that 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 you know can't hear? Like, so you have that two right or is deaf i don't know why i said can't hear but a child is deaf right so you have you have those dynamics and the thing is that in real life people go through that right Mm -hmm. people are in situations where you know you see this a lot in like the work world where people are in a job or they get promoted to a job and they're not really sure if they belong there right and if you're not sure you act out of character Mm -hmm. right and you're acting out of character because what you start to do is behave as how you think a person in that role would be, which is not authentically who and how you are. Right. And I think in this movie for the first, you know, two thirds of it, Adonis's character is acting out of order for Mm -hmm. who he really is because he's trying to be who he thinks he should be as the heavyweight champion of the world and as Apollo Creed's son. And I think like the the remedy to that when he gets there in the end, and you know I know in movies it's a lot easier in real life we got to struggle a little with it a little bit more, is to really always like reassess and come back to who you really are, and to give some grace with yourself to allow you to grow into the position, mm-hmm. allow you to grow into the situation. A lot of times we put pressure on ourselves to believe that we have to be perfect on day one when in reality, that's not possible, Mm. right? Because there's always going to be a point where a certain amount of experience has to happen before you can really be good at anything. And for, and and Adonis learns that in the movie, right? He's got to learn how to be a good boxer, how to be a good champion. He's got to learn how to lose. He's got to learn to come back. He becomes a better fighter because of that. Right. And in life, 
we become better by giving ourselves some grace, by struggling, by pushing through, by overcoming our insecurities, and by resisting the notion that we're an imposter in a situation. So that's um, my major consideration for what I think is running underneath this movie. So um, with that said, we are going to uh, bring this uh, episode, this first episode of the Sticky Floors podcast to a close. Uh, my man Will just did that, that mic drop, video drop comment right there. Um, we are going to close out today's um, analysis of Creed 2. And next week, we are going to be talking about Pulp Fiction. So be on the lookout for the next uh, podcast, wherever your podcast can be found.